Hi, this is Sandy Rios, and this is Sandy Rios 24-7. Today is part two of our party in our house with Dr. Erwin Lutzer. We had so much fun uh, just to bring you into our home and kind of meet some of our friends, <laughs> at least by listening. And Dr. Lutzer, uh, our dear friend, it's uh, it's just such an honor for us to have him as a friend. And also just we have so much history, but also, honestly, we just learn from him. It never gets old. We just drink in the things that he says, and I think you might do that too. That's the reason I wanted you to hear from him today. So part two is coming up in just a second. I want to remind you, of course, there are some things I have to tell you. Uh, We are doing like three of these a week. That's the goal right now, in case you wondered. Uh, And there are some great podcasts that you might want to, uh, you know, go back and listen to, but there's also some great ones planned. So we hope to bring you some really quality interviews and interactions. Uh, And at some point, I want to use your calls uh, to do kind of a show where we answer your questions or, um, just, I don't know, comment on the things that you're commenting on. And if you'd like to leave a voice message so that we can use your voice on the air and your question or your comment, you can call 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. And you can do the same thing by going to sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. And of course, you can find us on the social media platforms that you are so well acquainted with. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, I think they call it, Instagram, Getter, Truth Social, and YouTube. And you can find us on all the podcast platforms. I think of Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and the others. But primarily, our home base is AFR.net. That's American Family Radio. .net. So um, I think that's everything I need to tell you. But I also, before we start, because you're going to, you are going to enjoy this. I think we, today we have a Q&A at the end. And I think uh, with the audience in our home. So I think you're going to enjoy that very much. I bet you'll wish you were here in the room with us. And I wish you were too. But before I do that, let me tell you that we can't do what we do with having, without having sponsors. And I'm so honored to have Preborn as one of our early sponsors uh, I will tell you right up front, if you would like to give $28 to pay for an ultrasound, which reveals the details of, of the life of that baby inside a mom, which is a great way of discouraging her from terminating that life, you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Uh, remember that uh, the clinic pri- provides a mother who chooses life from maternity, baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and a whole lot more. And those things are provided free of charge. So it's not just the ultrasounds you're, you're helping to provide for these girls. It's all of those practical helps as well. Make it, you know, when they make a right choice, they need to be encouraged. So $28 sponsors one ultrasound, which obviously saves one baby's life. Isn't that something? Or you can spend $140 and that will save five babies. And give them a chance for life. And I'd say five moms too. <laughs> it's a lot more than just saving the life of the baby. So if you'd like to help, it's preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Okay, so sit back and relax. And here's part two of our evening with Dr. Lutzer. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. 
that we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Okay, so this is Sandy Rios 24-7, and we are talking with Dr. Urban Lutzer. And actually, we're in our home right now. We have a, a big group of friends here, and we just had dinner celebrating Dr. Lutzer and Rebecca. Um, who He's come to speak. You're going to go to Word of Life and preach, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, Dr. Lutzer, if you just tuned in, you've, you've probably heard him on the radio. If you haven't, you should. He's got three different programs available in something like 750 outlets. But, of course, online you can find him in a heartbeat. And anything he says or does is worth the trouble of looking for. It's just great, great stuff. You have a brand-new book called No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. And I want to just mention something. You did something interesting to me in your dedication. You said, with this book, I pass the baton to the next generation of believers— urging them to run the race of life. That might seem odd to you to pick out, but you have been preaching for so many years. Do you really feel, do you have that feeling too that you must, like it's time, like we're not going to be here that much longer. It's time. We're passing the baton. Do you have that feeling often? You know, I have to say this, Sandy, that I was interviewed by a man in Florida and he wept when he read that because he thought, you know, that's just too bad. He's asking the question you're asking. Does this mean that I have some intuition that I'm not going to be no, around no. very long? Well, like I like to say, you know, old age doesn't last very long. But here's the thing. I actually may do other writing. When I wrote that book, I kind of thought it would be the last. But I've also had other hunches that have turned out to be wrong. So the point to be made is this. God has called us to this generation, okay? And there are those who bemoan the fate and they say, oh, you know, if we'd been born in a previous time. No. You know, the uh, good old days gave rise to the bad new days. So we have to recognize that God has called us to this moment. And uh, whether or not I have any sense, I do want to say this, and maybe this answers your question, maybe it doesn't. The collapse of the culture has happened more quickly than we could have ever believed. If you'd have told me, for example, that 10 years ago men could have babies or that, um, you know, the whole cultural transition where a boy can be bird at home and Bernice at school, if you'd have told me that, I'd have told you that you're just totally uh, insane, really. You know, who could even think about that? but it's happening right now. And the absurdities of this culture, if I might say, many on the left argue this way, if it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, and lays duck eggs, it must be a camel. (laughs) Because there's no sense. I mean, we're talking about insanity. Do you remember years ago when uh, the Soviet Union was going strong, in school, I remember hearing some of the things they would tell their people, and I would think, that is so ridiculous. Who would believe that? How can they get away with that? And now we are there, only worse. 
I don't remember well, the Soviet Union ever doing anything as bad as this. You're asking me about my book, No Reason to Hide. In the section where I talk about uh, cultural demonization, and of course, I hope you ask me some questions about uh, propaganda. That's always been an interest of mine. But I point out that under diversity, equity, and inclusion, Princeton University, there's a man who teaches mathematics there, and he's totally opposed to what's happening. And he's written an article entitled, Math is Not Racist. And what he says is that he received a directive, which I quote in the book, that say that if you believe that there's only one right answer to math, you are racist. Well, okay now, Sandy, practical nuts and bolts. Graduates of Princeton come to your area and they begin the woke bank. And you put your money in the woke bank, and then at some point you go to take it out, and you say, well, I put this much in. Well, you have your truth, but we have our truth. <laughs> so where would that go? Yeah. It's insanity, but you have to remember that absurdity is no longer an argument against anything. So that's why we can live in an absurd, irrational culture. And facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. Ideology matters. Well, you mentioned propaganda, and, and I think I think you would agree that one of the reasons we've gotten out of touch with reality is that propaganda has become so strong. It's so loud everywhere. All right. The purpose of propaganda is to so shape people's view of reality that no matter how many facts you present, they will not change their minds. And how is this done? Well, Hitler, of course, believed that with the right use of propaganda, you could make heaven appear like hell and hell appear like heaven, okay? And the way you do this is, first of all, you need somebody to really hate. Hate is very important to get people excited, but you also need fear in case people step out of line. So in the book, I talk about how words are used in propaganda. Let me give you one or two illustrations. I quote a university where they say, you know, words like freshman you can't use, you can't use words like victim, and it goes on and on. And then it says, and if there's a, a um, place in your area, a barber shop, don't say that he takes in walk-ins because you might offend those who can't walk. Okay, <laughs> let's think about that. What's happening there, Sandy? The intention is not to elevate the discussion, it's to silence it. University students have no idea what it's appropriate to say. Can you still go into a restaurant and ask for a menu? Can women have a manicure? Nobody knows. And that's why surveys indicate that many conservative students especially constantly self-censor themselves. They have no idea what they... So that's one example. One, one other example, very quickly. What you do is you take ideas and you translate them into emotional states. For example, you're pro-life. Oh, you hate women. You believe in strong borders like I do, and in my book I argue, by the way, for strong borders. You believe in strong borders. Well, you're a bigot. You're concerned about the advance of Islam. Ha, huh, you have Islamophobia. Do you notice how now you take the issue out of the discussion of ideas and you disagree with me? See a psychiatrist. And that's where we are in our society today, where the civility that we kind of got acquainted with 20, 30 years ago is basically gone. You know, um, I 
this is what goes through my mind. When I, after 9-11, I got very involved in exposing the Muslim Brotherhood, the Council for American Islamic Relations, which was the, uh, the, the propaganda arm of the, council, uh, of the Islamists. And they were masters. They still are masters at what you just talked about. They're the ones that coined the phrase Islamophobia. Right. They're the ones that talked to our officials into starting to use that and our press into starting to use that. So it's like it's a common language. But at the root of all of this, the communists did the same thing. You know, the communists did it. The, and by the way, I guess the mullah of, um, of Jerusalem was very close to, to uh uh, Adolf Hitler, but I, I, I'm not saying it's just there's a common thread there. But that thread goes back to the garden, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, there's a chapter on in my book about the fact that uh, I think I entitled it, if I remember it correctly, uh, you know, exposing the world's greatest lie, something like that. Will we expose the greatest lie that is our nation's most cherished delusion? Yes, and that has to do with the fact that you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. So I trace that through history and show how certainly, I think I mentioned Rousseau, I don't go into him in more in much detail, but then you get to Karl Marx and you get to Freud and you get to others where you actually become the master of your fate, the captain of your soul. You make the decisions because in effect you are God and only you know who you really are. And so what we have to do is to take your word for it. And this leads, of course, to depression. It leads to all kinds of things because we cannot take the place of God. God mentions in the Old Testament, you believe that I am like you. And he becomes very, very adamant, God does, and angry at those who put themselves in the place that he rightfully has. What's frightening is that Americans used to have a sniffer for that stuff, like uh, the, the communist propaganda, um, which is all about that, the twisting and the perversion. But now it's different. We go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. They, I just see massive amounts of people swallowing the Kool-Aid on all of these issues, whether yeah. it's a global you know, climate change or the COVID lockdowns, all of that. Yeah, we Just can a, talk about that too. Right. Anne Rand was not a friend of Christianity, but she said something very wise. You know, she had a lot of insight into the culture, and she said, it's possible to avoid reality, but you can't avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. <laughs> so you can say to yourself, you know, that you are God, but then you're going to have to live with the consequences of your decision. And there, this is another quote that's coming to my mind right now that I have to get out on the table by uh, Booker T. Washington, who said that uh, evil never becomes good and wrong never becomes right just because the majority believe it to be so. Oh, I love that quote. Isn't that funny how people, though, are so persuaded now? This is the thing that frightens me. We're just adrift. And I think you, you trace that back to what you said in the opening about the lack of the knowledge of God, or the lack of acceptance, I forgot how you put it, that we are just untethered from reality. He's the one that created us and set the boundaries, and without a knowledge of him, then we just fall for everything. There's no end to what we will believe or do. And actually, there's no guidelines regarding right or wrong. Ultimately, it becomes whatever you want it to be, and cruelty and anything and laws, you know, <laughs> laws can be used in a nation in which good is evil and evil is good. 
laws can be used, and we see that happening today, that punish the good and encourage and protect the evil. Oh, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? I mean, we see it like uh, that. I just what comes to mind is the the transgender issue. Oh, the praise and oh, the links they go to to praise the things that are so destructive. Well, not only that, but actually you have laws protecting them. You know, there are places here in America where if a child goes to a doctor and says, I want to transition, they send a member of the LGBTQ community with them to make sure that the doctor doesn't talk them out of it. So I have examples in my book, for example, where doctors say flat out, we are no longer allowed to give our best judgment to patients. We have to go with a cultural stream or lose our jobs. Counselors are in the same situation. Psychiatrists, you know, they've made it illegal to counsel people who are confused about their gender. The only legal counsel is if you affirm what they think they are. You know, people think politics isn't important. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not all important. It's the gospel that's all important. But listen. The the School of the Ozarks in Missouri filed a lawsuit against the federal government because when the decree came down that the trans people have to have the same rights as others, as those that are cisgender, that is to say that they are actually living the way they were born, in order for that to happen, and it begins to filter down, even in dormitories now, they have to be together. Now... Let's suppose, Rebecca and I have three daughters, but they're all married, but we have four uh, granddaughters. Let's suppose one of them was in a Christian school, and the boy assi- and the roommate assigned to her was a boy, but he says, I'm a girl now. Well, we know what happens. Well, of course Just we know. Him. I mean, <laughs> it's disaster, but remember... And I'm sorry to have to repeat myself, but we're living in an age when absurdity no longer is an argument against anything because we live in a very irrational world. You know, I saw, you might have seen this recently, there was a 17-year-old girl from California, very articulate, just very classy. I didn't know she was just 17. She's talking to the city council, I think it is. It's around San Diego. And uh, she was, uh, had gone to the YMCA for years, and she went into the dressing room, and there was a, a man with no clothes on. Uh, very, he was a man, obviously. He wasn't wearing, a dra- well, he wasn't wearing anything. And she, was, she ran for the curtain and hid behind the curtain, but it so traumatized her. So she is very poised and telling the city council. And then she says, I have a five-year-old sister, and I bring my sister here all the time. And I cringed to think what, that would, what would happen if I had had my little sister there. And she, she started to break down, but then she break down crying, but then she gathered her composure. And they had absolutely just the most callous response, Dr. Lutzer. Yeah, they become paralyzed. Are. They become paralyzed because the great sin in our culture is that we are not tolerant, but then we have to be tolerant of evil. But let me give you the bottom line of tolerance, okay? <laughs> The European Union has said that criticizing Islam is a crime. Now, think that through. It means that you have to be so tolerant you cannot defend freedom. In other words, unless you are so tolerant that you're willing to have your freedoms taken away, you aren't tolerant enough. Again, we're back to insanity, but you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that there are those who are given the reprobate mind. The reprobate mind is not a rational mind. 
No, absolutely not. And we see that. I, common sense can tell you that because it creates chaos and decadence. We just look at the world around us and we think, how much longer can this go on? And how, how can it possibly get worse? You know, when I was on the radio in Chicago, you remember how much crime there is in Chicago and how many horrible stories. So I would, you know, I did a drive time show. I'm reading the newspaper and I would read something that happened to some child, something that someone had done. And I would, I would honestly like weep on, I couldn't help it. And I would think to myself, I, this is the worst. This is the worst thing I have ever heard. This is the worst. It couldn't get worse than this. But give it time, a month or so, and it's worse. And I would say it's just happening. There are things happening that are so bad you can't even imagine, and there are, and it just gets worse. It doesn't stay static. Uh, Pat, I was going to call you Patty, but actually you're Sandy, aren't you? <laughs> I'm Sandy, not you're Patty. Sandy. Not Sandy, Patty, yeah, but Sandy. <laughs> not Sandy, Patty, but you are indeed uh, Sandy. Here's the way to illustrate it. You are in the basement and you see all the evil of people, and you're down as far as you can go thinking about the evil in the human heart. And you say, I have reached the bottom. But while you're standing there, there's a tap under your feet because there's another story beneath you. What human beings are capable of doing is beyond our imagination. And God says that he knows about that. The human heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But you know what the next verse says? I, the Lord, search the heart. So even as we're talking to an audience out there today, Sandy, it's so important for us to recognize that we need to be reminded that God searches our heart, and at the end of the day, the real issue is whether or not we've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, whether or not we've trusted him alone, whether or not he has transformed our spirit so that we love him. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. We're talking with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, and his book is called No Reason to Hide. No Reason to Hide. There are few voices in our day that are as clear and courageous as Dr. Lutzer's, and that's from H.B. Charles Jr. He wrote the foreword to your book. And I think uh, there are so many other topics in here, Dr. Lutzer. In fact, you talk about the, the Great Global Reset. You talk about uh, the, the woke church now. You call it... Um, Christian left, boy, what I'd like to talk to you about, that's a whole show we'll have to do. But you say, how should we respond to the Christian left? But I think uh, you end up by saying, will we accept the blessing of gospel-centered suffering? Can you just say a word about that? I can say more than a word. I can say a couple of paragraphs. I could preach a sermon on it. <laughs> Let's take a deep breath. We as Americans need to rethink what suffering for Christ means. See, the average American thinks that as long as the church were what it should be, we will continue to have a government that will be on our side. We'll continue to have our freedoms. That's not the way it's been throughout church history. America is an anomaly. We could talk about that, too. It is a unique country because of its foundational principles and the separation of powers. The older I get, the more I see that this is a remarkable country in relation to others. And remember this, Saul Alinsky in Chicago, who promoted communism, said, never compare America with other countries because then America will look too good. So you always have to only tear America down. So here's the thing. Throughout history, Christians have always suffered for the cause of Christ. And we need to get back to the words of Jesus Blessed are you 
when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil. Blessed are you. And we're going to have to rethink that because I remember a teacher in Chicago, he's in the Chicago school system, but he attended Moody Church, said he was told it is not enough for you to simply tolerate same-sex marriage. If you don't celebrate it, you could lose your job. Well, that for him is a line in the sand. So there's so much more. I give five or six different uh, things that we learn from suffering in the New Testament in that chapter, except I'll end it by saying this. The days of us living out our faith and our faith in Christ, the days when we could do it in tranquility and with respect in many different vocations is over. And we're going to have to prove our love for Christ in brand new ways. And for many people that will be losing their jobs, the other day somebody texted me and said, I'm a Christian businessman, can I sign this? And he gave me a diversity statement that his business was asking him to sign. And I said, you know, there are three, or three points or so that you could sign off on, but you can't sign on this and this and be true to your convictions. So more and more people are going to have to ask themselves, how much is Christ worth to me? Dr. Lutzer, as you know, I do a lot of work in D.C., and I have to tell you, uh, I, I won't name names, but I work with people who are paying a price right now. Oh, my goodness. People that you would know who are in the news who are being harangued and hounded, who are losing their jobs, their positions, their licensing, and uh, it, the oppression is so real. And I have to say, you said it, but I want to underscore we cannot remain neutral. You cannot remain neutral. You will have to declare how you feel about something. You will not be able to stay quiet or pretend like you don't have an opinion. The left will not allow that. Uh, that's actually what I get into in one of my chapters, if I might humbly say, and all my opinions are humble, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I talk about cultural demonization. Very quick illustration. It used to be that if you were a good chemist and had a PhD in chemistry and you were a good teacher, you could apply for a job in one of our universities and you might be accepted. Not anymore. You'll be asked, are you comfortable with a woke culture, uh, multiple pronouns, are you on board with the whole LGBTQ plus agenda, and if not, because it's no longer a matter of competence, it has to do with loud enthusiasm for the controlling realities of our culture. Those are great words, Dr. Lutzer. Let me just say again, the book is called No Reason to Hide uh, with Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Let's, uh, let's tell him how much we appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Lutzer. Wow, well, all I can say is uh, Dr. Lutzer sounds like a little bit like me. Maybe I learned from Dr. Lutzer about that uh, say something, do something. You cannot, you cannot be silent. I say this a lot. You cannot remain neutral. Uh, the, the left, the wicked left, will not let you do that. You will have to declare a position. And I find it's much easier to do it now uh, while you're, there's no gun held to your head. And then when a gun is held to your head later, you will make the right decision. I know that sounds pretty bleak. But for those of you who are committed Christians, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's better to take a stand now. It's kind of like a muscle that you have to practice. You have to practice taking a stand, practice being bold. And the time for that is now. Uh, I want to just say that uh, before we come back, we've got a question, a Q&A session with our, with our guests and our friends in our home. We're, we're going to do that in just a second, and it's, it's really cool. Some great questions and some great answers, of course. Uh, but I want to say, one, uh, once again, that Preborn is uh, taking a you know, leap of faith with us here. 
uh, to sponsor the show. We're in the early stages, and we so appreciate that. And you, by on by the way, are able to save babies. You know, we just came back past uh, the anniversary of Roe versus Wade again, which brings up a lot of memories for me. I have to tell you uh, how I found out about abortion in a out of a desk drawer in Berlin, Germany, a number of years ago, and the images that I saw that just cut to the heart. Changed my life, really, before I even knew there was a pro-life movement. I didn't even hardly know what abortion was, but it was like a knife in my heart, and it marked me for life. And that's why I do what I do. That's why, even though I had a very severely disabled child, her life was always precious, and I knew that. I knew that from outside appearances, people couldn't understand the value of her life, but I understood it because God is very much pro-life He's the creator of life, and we are to regard it as precious as he does. If you would like to help save the lives of babies through preborns ministry, through providing ultrasounds for women who have pregnancies that they don't think initially they want to maintain for whatever reason, then you can spend $28, if you can, $28 to sponsor one ultrasound or any multiple of that. Whatever you can afford, they can. They will take it and use it very wisely, and you'll never regret doing that. You just won't. If you want to give generously, and even if you just give what you can, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, so uh, we are still in, in our home. We've got this, these wonderful guests, and Dr. Irwin Lutzer is our guest across the table from me. We've just been enjoying the conversation so much. And so my friends have some questions for Dr. Lutzer, so I've asked them to identify just by their first name and then ask their question. And so first up. My name is Bill, and it's not so much of a question. Is you please expound on the difference between equal opportunity and equal outcome? Oh, yes, a big difference. Look at this. You can have children in a family. They all have the same mother and the same father. You can give them equal opportunity. But one of those children is going to do much better financially. They're going to do much better in terms of their vocation because of their aptitudes, because of who they are. So we do all that we can to give people equal opportunity. But if you say they have to have equal outcomes, you can only do that in a totalitarian state where the state divvies out everything in the interest of equality. And that's why it is so important for us to understand that if you have a free culture, the point is you give as many opportunities as you can, but the outcomes are always going to be different. You know, I have to say, when I was in the Soviet Union, and uh, right, it was when it was still the Soviet Union. It's right when Boris Yeltsin was running for president, and I did a lot of interviews there. I was there for three weeks. And uh, one of the things I observed very easily was that it was equality of outcomes, like college professors and musicians, ballerinas. They all lived in high-rise, broken-down, stinky, inner-city apartments. It was really fair. They all had the same horrible uh, screens falling out. It was just horrible, but it was equality. A footnote. When it comes to socialism, the ideal socialism, according to Marx, would be where people own nothing, the state owns everything, and then it divvies them out in accordance with equality and equity. And as a result of that, it stifles all initiative it puts to death any vision that a person has for freedom, and that's the only way you can do it. And when the state runs out of money, 
Well, of course, you know, it can print more. And as long as the printing presses, and actually they don't print it anymore. They have computers and they move it, move it over a couple of decimal points. And so that's the world in which we live. All right, let's take another question. Uh, my name is Greg. I'm just wondering, all the things that we're talking about today are really fascinating. But the average family that deals with this stuff every day, they feel the effects of it, but they don't know how to reach out and do anything about it. They're busy just trying to put food on the table and get the kids to school and all that kind of thing. What does that family do? How do they make a difference and make a change in the society around us? Greg, I wish I had a one-size-fits-all fit all answer to that. It depends on that family. For example, many of the public schools that we have today, I don't think Christians should send their, uh, their children. Again, if I might refer to my book, I have a chapter on that, the way in which our children are being educated. And um, so for that family, they've got some tough decisions as to how their child is going to be educated, maybe a faith-based school, maybe homeschooling, whatever. So it depends on the family. But here's what I want to challenge Greg with. Every person needs to ask himself or herself this question, what is my responsibility in this culture to make decisions that are honoring to Christ? And one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about, Sandy, even though it was on my list of things to talk about, is spiritual warfare. Because unless we realize what Jesus said, the prince of this world comes. The prince of this world and the Bible says in John, one of John's letters, that the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. So we have to fight this politically, but we can't win politically. We can only win when all of our actions are tuned into what God wants us to do and to seek his face. Because we are in a warfare, and we can talk more about that. You know, that reminds me, before we take the next question... You know, the, the, the communists and the left always says it's always the struggle. It's not the outcome. It's the struggle. That's what they love. And I never thought about this before, but actually, you know, when I talk to Christians who are dealing with terrible things, I, guys in the military who are losing their positions because they wouldn't get vaccinated, or uh, I think of the, my, some of my friends in Washington who have taken strong stands and they just, they're just being persecuted find they have to hire attorneys and i encourage them to stay strong but i can never say because if you stay strong you're going to win no and so i in some ways what i'm the point i'm trying to make is i the, the marxists have it right in a way it is the struggle for christians too it's yes. how we how we yes. how we do the struggle and it's how we interpret it i told a politician who i prayed for and encouraged during a recent campaign for a certain office I said to him, it's not necessary for you to win. It's necessary for you to be faithful. And uh, actually, he did lose, I'm sorry to say. But the point is that um, we cannot expect to win these battles. But even if we lose, are we willing to pay the price of faithfulness? And we have to decide that before yeah. and not during. Okay, next question. Hi, Dr. Lutzer. This is Sean. And um, something that recently happened, and just today it was put out on a, in an article, Minnesota Representative Sandra Feist 
said that not all students who menstruate are female, and she advocated for a bill that would place feminine products in male restrooms. And Tony Dungy came out and evidently basically said along the lines of, if they claim to be cats, are we going to have cat litter boxes? And was ridiculed for it, basically standing up for this is ridiculous, ended up deleting his tweet out of the fear that he might lose his job for announcing an NFL football game. And the question for you is this. Clearly, there's going to be sacrifices when we stand up. Uh, For me, as a pastor of 32 years, I was willing to take those stands, and whatever repercussions came, they came. At what point do we, when I look into the Bible and the epistles and that and how the statements that they made, when do we start making these broad statements, these strong statements that are founded in the Word of God and just accept the consequences for whatever that's going to be rather than every time we're confronted on it, pulling it back and saying sorry and removing it? Well, Sean, I'm going to try to answer that by answer the bigger question. Since you were a pastor for 32 years, I'm often asked this question, and it may end up actually answering your question. Pastors don't want to get involved in politics. I understand that in my ministry, I've never endorsed a political candidate. I have never endorsed a political party. But it's impossible for a pastor, in my opinion, to be faithful unless he deals with issues that are deemed political, because today everything is political. The issue that you raised about whether or not uh, if uh, kids uh, identify as cats, whether or not there should be kitty litter in the bathroom, that somehow has ended up being political. Abortion is political. The trans movement is political. It's all wrapped up. So what we have to do is to be willing to speak about these issues. And if we are not willing to, then maybe we can have seminars for people to understand these issues better. But to your point... Regarding censorship, this is such a serious issue. And what we have to do is to realize that if Tony Dungy made that remark, and as you know, he is a believer, he's done what he could. He can't control if so-and-so deletes the remark. I would like to think that he didn't delete it. And it is what it is. And the question is, are we willing to speak what is true and live with those consequences, even if it means losing our job. That's why I think it is so very, very critical. And uh, there's no easy answer. In In an area in which there is an eclipse of God and there's total darkness, what do you do? You go running for a flashlight and a lantern. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But tons of people throughout church history have seen God's good works and they have turned away from him. And we can't change that. Dr. Lutzer, I've asked Bruce to come up because Bruce joins me on the podcast. And the story uh, that Sean just told reminded me of the story that Bruce told me about today, uh, uh, about a hockey hockey player from Ukraine. And because the point I want to make is most of the time in my experience, when I see people stand at least now, they really get whacked, uh, especially in the public arena. But there are exceptions, and uh, I've been whacked a few times myself, and I just feel like God has just has really blessed and rescued me so many times. 
Uh, but there are some cases where you just never know what God's going to do. And this is one of those cases. You want to tell that, Bruce? So there's a professional hockey player, and the league had mandated that they wear uh, during warm-up these jerseys that were gay pride jerseys. And a Ukrainian-born player said, that's against my religious beliefs, and I'm not going to do it. And, of course, the league just came after him like crazy, saying, you know, you, you're showing not you're not showing your belief you're showing your bigotry against people and of course twitter people went after this poor player like he was bread meat but uh a talk show host that was speaking about this said i wanted to support this player so i went online to buy one of his jerseys and he said you cannot find a jersey to be bought there's so much support for this player that You'll never hear that in the media, but people have just about had enough of this stuff, and they're fighting back in, in different ways. And, and it, it was just a, a great way that he fought that. Yeah. I want to comment on that for just a moment and say this, that uh, we're living in an age in which I have my truth. Can I comment on the transgender movement, the kids come home from school? I think, you, I think maybe you yeah, could I, I comment can, on it. Yeah. I can. What we have to recognize is that self-perception is not an always an accurate gauge of who you are. You can go into a psych ward today, and you can find somebody who genuinely believes that he's Napoleon. By the way, did you ever hear the story, Sandy, of where a guy in a psych ward said, I'm Napoleon, and the guy next to him said, who told you that you were Napoleon? And he said, God did. And the other guy said, no, I didn't. <laughs> You know what, Could, let me when I was on radio in Chicago, I used to get a call from a guy all the time. He left me messages. I used to play some of this on the, on the air. He thought he was Zeus. Yeah. He, he would call and say that. And only he knows who he really is. <laughs> I, know, I know. Anyway, hi, Sandy. This is Zeus. It was amazing. Yes. And, and there's one other word I want to say. Isn't this interesting regarding the hockey player or whatever? People say today, I have my truth, and you have to respect my truth. Okay, well, this hockey player, he has his truth. Let's respect that too. Why does the respect go only in one direction? So, you know, a kid in school says, um, you know, I'm expected to be able to call Bert Bernice. He was born Bert, but now he's Bernice. And this kid should be able to say, well, you know, that's your truth, but I have my truth. You are Bert. Thank you very much. Excellent. All right, so we have one more question here. Young lady that I know really well. Okay, Lorraine, what's your question? Okay, Pastor Lutzer, I just wanted to ask, given all this, these subjects that we're talking about, especially the hockey player, I really admired his courage in standing up and just saying, this is what I believe, and that's it, you know? How do we address the issue of fear in the society? Because that seems to be the root cause of everything right now. Boy, you're sure right about that, uh, Lorraine. Jesus said, fear not those who are able to kill the body, because after that, they've run out of ideas. <laughs> they can't do anymore. But fear him, rather, that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And here's the lesson. Lorraine, it's for you and all who are listening. Don't forget. When the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, affectionately known as shake the bed, make the bed, and into bed you go, <laughs> when they were confronted with a fiery furnace, 
They said, we fear God more than we do the fire. And that's actually something that we're not used to, but we're going to have to get used to it. One last question, Dr. Lutzer. <clears throat> Some might say, if they're listening to us and they're not used to the, what we're talking about, or they're not acquainted, they, maybe they don't even know God in an intimate way, it almost sounds like we are talking about our rights with this transgender stuff and all these other things. Like, we have a right, and why can't we have our rights? And, but you're not really, really talking about us demanding rights. What, what's the distinction here? What's the value? Why, why should we stand firm on these things other than our rights? Well, what we have to do is to say that whether I have the right or not, my allegiance is to God. And there are those who say we should obey the government all the time. That's not true, obviously, because it, the question is, if the Supreme Court believes it's the highest law that there is, the Supreme Court becomes God. If I believe that what I decide to do is the highest law, then I become my own God. So I would answer it by saying this, whether or not it's the matter of rights, certainly people in communist countries don't have rights like we do. We do have responsibility to live up to our convictions and trust God and remind ourselves that the only thing that is really valuable is what will last forever. All right, and with that, uh, with that, we'll conclude this, at least the podcast. Again, the book is called No Reason to Hide. It's one of uh, dozens that Dr. Lutz has, has written. Great stuff like Hitler's Cross, One Minute After You Die, uh, those are just some titles that come off the top of my head, but they're just great books. I recommend them. They're they're really easy to read. As smart as Dr. Lutzer is, he knows how to write for the common man, which I'm a common girl. So um, it's um, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, Pastor Emeritus of Moody Church. We thank you so much for thank your Thank you, time. Sandy. Glad to be you. here and be in your home. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, Bruce, that was quite a night, wasn't it? It really was. Um, Dr. Lutzer, as always, just so insightful. You know, what struck me is that everybody in the room was just, uh, you could just tell by their countenance, they were just held, wrapped attention. In fact, I, we, what they pe- people would know who are listening, and we went on and on and on after we, after we stopped this very long recording. Yes. We went on and on. The questions never ended. And Yeah, I thought it was unfortunate that we did not, leave the recording going because it never ended as far as the quality and the i mean it was yeah. unbelievable yeah. plus a lot of fun yeah we had a lot of fun yeah. Yeah, dr lutzer did his imitation of billy graham <laughs> <laughs> which is phenomenal <laughs> oh, and he always did minneapolis minnesota, minnesota. <laughs> yeah it's really funny so uh, i hope that you all enjoyed that evening with dr lutzer we'll be having him back again and remember that his book is called no reason to Hide, No Reason to Hide by Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Uh, let me just say that, of course, uh, you can find the show on any of the podcast platforms. You can download the app. That's what I would do if I were you. I would do that. I would download AFR because that app allows you listen to the app through the app, don't you, Bruce? I do. Yeah. It's just uh, you can do that. We used to do it when the kids lived in Scotland. We could just listen to the show from Scotland. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but, but you know, you do what you're comfortable with. These other platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all of those things, uh, you are able to get Sandy Rios 24-7 on all of those. Uh, you can also find information about the show on Facebook or Twitter. 
or Instagram or Getter. Many of you are still on Getter. That's where we moved when Twitter became went south. And so we're kind of uh, trying to keep until we see if Elon Musk is going to survive Twitter. Uh, we're going to keep our fingers in all these different areas as much as we can so we can communicate with you or Truth Social, or YouTube. So there you go. And uh, if you would like to send an email, you can do that at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net, or you can call us and leave a message at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back uh, on the next podcast with something, well, who knows what we'll do next. So stay tuned. Stay tuned.